Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. This is officially the show. I thought we were already in the show. No, no. We're now that was were, the pre-show. And then I ruined it. Nah, I think we're just gonna put it all out there. Yeah. Well, that's the pre-show that we're Light gonna editing. offer up to our Patreon backers only. Oh, right. That's, right, the, that's spe- the cut it's a, content. A special, a special level. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you if yeah, B-side. for five more dollars, you get access to all the cut content. You just the unfiltered, the outtakes. yeah, the unfiltered yeah. stream. It, it's really good. We actually take all that uncut content and put it together, so you get to hear, um, uh, what are we um, doing for like ten minutes? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's like it's like when you get to the end of a really good movie and you get the bloops at the end. You get the, you get, you get all, all the bloopers. Ours aren't quite as good, but you that's know. true. You just get the bloop reel. Get Keithley on a day when he's had way too much coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can't. We can't release this. We can't release this. <laughs> <laughs> Amos, why don't you introduce our guest? We have a guest. We do, we do have, have a guest. guest. I didn't even know we were having a guest. I I didn't either. You worked with our guest. <laughs> so why am I introducing a guest? You worked with him. Yeah. but And you've known him longer but than this me. Is, but this is your show. I'm just here. I, <laughs> I'm gonna write this down. <laughs> what time is it? It's 10:44 September 24th. Uh, this is my show. With, with this is my, my show. It's your with, show. With my fountain pen that Jeff told me to buy. I didn't tell you to buy that one. <laughs> you just said buy a fountain pen. <laughs> Wait, how did that come about? Okay, so uh, introduce our guest so we can start talking about stuff. Famous. <laughs> All right, you're so bad at podcasting. <clears throat> um, That's this not is Jeff nice Weiss. Kiddie. Jeff Weiss has joined the, the the podcast for the day. Um, Hello. Here's what I know about Jeff. He uh, he worked at Latote at one point. Um, true. He when Keith Lee's not around, he tells me about how he's smarter than Keith Lee. And not true. <laughs> <laughs> and he used to live in Kansas City. And so sometimes I'll send out tweets and he's like, oh, are you buying a BMW? Because the tweet location will be near a place where he knows there's a BMW dealership. (laughs) That's hilarious. Also, is he stalking you? Because that's really funny. Yeah. (laughs) That was one time. And and so after he was talking to me, we we became pen pals and we write letters. Except for I haven't written one in a while. I have his letters sitting here next to me that I need to respond to. I love it. COVID letters. I love yeah. COVID letters. Notable yeah. Atlassian critic. Hmm. Yes. Well, that's also not true. <laughs> <laughs> you ever used Jira? I, I did. Jira. I did have a conversation with one of their uh, one of their product managers. Uh, he reached out to me. It was like, so. What do you think? What's the deal? Why? 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 Why do you hate us so much? It's like, well, your UX is terrible. <laughs> He's like, yeah. What did he say? Yeah. Yeah. Some total of it. He was just like, yeah. And you're like, cool, cool, cool. All right. Yep. Glad yeah. we're on the same Work page. Work on it. Yeah. That's not even an agree to disagree. It's just right? agree to agree. That's a short yeah. conversation. Yeah. Okay. We could have a whole show about that, really. Oh, my God. About how I bad Jira's UX is yeah, and how like now it started to bleed into Trello. Oh, my God. People, people come here for the hot takes, and I'm pretty sure, like, saying uh, – 
Jira has a crappy UX is not, it's a, not take. a hot take. <laughs> That's just wait, no. Facts. Wait, wait, Keithley, back no. up. People, you think people really come here for the hot takes? No, not really. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even think people come here. Listen, the I looked at the survey results, and sixteen percent of the entire Elixir community that were polled actually listen to podcasts. So. Sweet, <laughs> and they listen to us. I I God use, I use Jira so. as like as as the yardstick for like we have to make a decision we know is bad but it's like the best decision that we can make right so let's say like this is our jira of decisions <laughs> mm-hmm. if we mm-hmm. say jira one more time atlassian's going to have to pay us royalties oh, it's like beetlejuice <laughs> we something. can summon them i had a friend who just started a new job it's been like 2 months and yesterday he pinged me on slack and he was just like i think i finally understand how to use their jira now <laughs> yeah yeah that's the thing is Jira is not even Jira. It's your Jira. It's whatever exactly. company you work at's Jira. Yeah. 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 And what, what, what got me is that all of the agile stuff, which earlier on was, was an add on, like it wasn't even part of Jira, right? Jira was just like a nicer bugzilla. I wish we they had added, video. Right. <laughs> yeah. Shrug. Uh, they added all of the, the agile features, but they're not part of the API, right? Like all of the estimates and sprints and stuff is in the API is just like custom field. You're like, 34. Cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Just, it is Thanks. just literally a custom field. Yeah. That's, well, yeah. that's great. What always makes me mad is when I want to move like a lot of stuff from one column to another. And you can you can click on the and then like shift click on the bottom and drag them over. But when you click the first one, it doesn't just highlight it. It first it opens it, so you have to close it first before you can shift click the other thing. <clears throat> and then if you need to like add something to a bunch of things, and you get into the bulk edit part, and you want to add something to an epic, you can't put in the name of the epic. You have to know the Epic's ID in the database. And the only way to get that is to go to the Epic and right click it and inspect the HTML. <laughs> so good. What's wrong with that? I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's, a very, does, it's an engineer interface. <laughs> does this does this tie into the topic that like the provisional topic that was sent out of like, when is it better to write your own? There was a provisional topic <laughs> when, sent when out? The, when the alternative is Jira. Uh, Y'all don't tell me anything. <laughs> no, that's, sorry Anna, we're terrible because we start talking somewhere that's not our our slack planning slack yeah and then it's not our just, slack for this podcast where you could communicate that i know it's because we're talking about something else completely uh-huh i mean i guess we could just put all of our conversation about everything in the public with you you don't need to do that. <laughs> oh, we, no. could, we could I communicate mean, at all, is what yeah, you're getting true. at. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to let the cat out of the bag. No, no what I, what <laughs> I'm, no I'm, I wash my hands this. Here's how this went down. Okay, so here's how this went down. Yep, is I messaged Amos and I say, hey, at some point we should get Jeff on the show. Because that's come up a bunch of times. I really like Jeff. Jeff's a good friend of mine. We should have him on the show. I like talking to Jeff. And that was that. Was that. End of sentence one. Sentence I mean, you could was, have messaged both of us. It was like 30 seconds later, and I'm like, Jeff's coming on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing you. And then second sentence was, also, I had an idea for a topic. What do you think about talking about XYZ thing? End of sentence. Then I put my phone away. 
Then I, then I walked away. And so sentence three in the general Slack being like, hey, Anna, we're going to have Jeff on the show. And we want to talk about this thing. Just I didn't so even you know. know that. I didn't even know that was going to happen. I could not have communicated that to you. I like how I got into the Zoom call today, though, Anna. Just so you know, is Jeff sends me a link and it's like, is this the Zoom that you all use? And I, I, so to find out, I click it. And I'm like, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> We're really on top you know of what? Our if, game, if the you know, LT no- notebook has taught me anything, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I was saying if the if the LT notebook taught me anything, it's to be prepared. That's true. That's what it said. <laughs> if I remember That's correctly. right. <laughs> Had a little picture of a Boy Scout on it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, so, what's the topic? <laughs> Jeff, uh, what's the topic? <laughs> You're the only one Wait, who knows what's going this? on. Let me let me look at my chat with Jeff. I should ask Jeff. Uh, actually, Jeff. Uh, when is it better to write your own? Ah, okay. Yeah. When your software that you have, your choice is Jira. When your choice is Jira. <laughs> so, so this is a topic I presented um, because it's something that, I mean, I had talked about this with Jeff a little bit. Um, and it's come up recently because of some work that I'm doing at work. And right now we're in the midst of sort of rebuilding a lot of our deployment process. Um, really just automating a lot of stuff that hasn't ever really been automated. That also happens to coincide with a move, you know, just like changes in our infrastructure and stuff like that. So we looked around at all of the disparate tools that you can use to manage those sorts of things. Like we looked at, we looked at running Spinnaker or like having somebody host Spinnaker for us, if you're familiar with Spinnaker and like other deployment, like kind of CI, CD pipeline type stuff. And eventually we just settled on the idea that we were just going to do it ourselves. And like, we just hacked together. I don't even say hack. We just like built a Elixir API using our internal RPC stuff and some live view. And we just built deployments. Um, And it's really just AWS command, like APIs that we're calling and all that sort of stuff. But it, it definitely caused people some, well, there's a lot of discussions about like why are we doing this thing that probably is just like already done for us, and we had to really sort of wrestle with that. So I'm curious to see how other people feel about that, both in the large scale in terms of when is it when is it right when is it appropriate to build your something that big right, and and also potentially something that generic, and all the way down to like the small scale of when do I write my own I don't know data structure or when do I use a library, right? You know, when do I, when do I just write my own try? Meaning T-R-I-E. I-E, like, like yep. yeah, the, the tree data structure. When do I do that myself versus get a library, you know, or whatever? When do I write my own circular buffer versus get a library, whatever it is. So I'm curious. I'm curious to see what people think about that. What caused, I mean, as you were wrestling with that stuff, what came up? Well, I just think, I think there's, there's a, there's a belief, right, that you can probably grab something that does close to what you want to do and then just use that thing. And then you get you leverage uh, all of the work from a bunch, like you democratize, or when you say democratize, you arbitrage someone else's time uh, in order to get those immediate benefits, right? You've already, you're using something that like has already been proven to work in production, probably. So 
and you have to you do have to sort of justify why you're going to spend your own time to do that because you know time you only have a limited amount of time and what are you going to choose to spend your innovation points on and all that kind of all those sorts of discussions so those were the those were the a lot of like the the basis for a lot of those conversations i would say mm-hmm. i'm just curious like so you you said i'm curious because you said you wrestled with you were wrestling with it right but what ultimately led you all to decide to roll your own partially because i just don't think the problem's that hard <laughs> like i i actually think like I mean, I, I don't know. I tend to feel like there, I actually just don't feel like there's that many problems that I feel like are that hard <laughs> in the, in the space of what we do, because it's like, we're just calling APIs. It's like, whatever. I mean, we're, we're making AWS do all the actual heavy lifting. So that's part of it. I also am a pretty big believer in the idea that um, if you're going to do something that's like critical to your system, and I would say deploying software is fairly critical to any company's delivery system, then at some level, you're going to have to become an expert in that thing. And it's been my experience that it's much easier to, and long, much more fruitful long-term to become an expert in something that you actually own. Because like I could go become an expert in, I don't know, concourse CI or something like that. And like learn everything there is to know about concourse CI and then build our entire thing around Concourse CI. Or I could become an expert in Jenkins, you know, and just just get on the Jenkins train and write a bunch of Groovy and, and learn how to do that. Either way, you're going to become an expert in it. And if you understand your problem and the trade-offs that you're willing to make, and you are ready to become an expert in that uh, that field, or that domain, rather, then I tend to think that it's worth your time just to do it yourself. That's that's typically how I make that calculation, but uh, I think I'm probably slightly in the minority of people who well, feels that way. I don't know. I mean, I think you brought up some really interesting points, right? You said a couple of interesting things. You were like, well, we understand the problem really well and the trade-offs really well, right? We have the capacity to become experts in this thing, right, that we're going to live with for a while. I imagine if, if people are in a situation where, like, they don't understand the problem as well, and depending on the timeline they have, right, and they don't necessarily have the capacity to become experts in that thing maybe eventually, right? Like, then they don't have the capacity to maybe try and completely build their own, right? Which is when they might lean on something else for what they need. I'm curious. I mean, I, I would imagine there might be, not that, I mean, every situation is different, but I would imagine there might be some, like, more generic constraints that people can think about when trying to make that decision. I mean, what Chris was saying fits into some of the criteria that, like, I have mm-hmm. for when when is it, better to write your own thing right and and the things that chris was mentioning around like it's a core aspect of what they do right so when there's a clear to me like when there's a clear competitive advantage or differentiator to writing your own thing right then then like yes you should do it you know i like as a counterbalance i have been at places that were very much like not invented here and they thought that they were special in all the ways um and and ended up writing all their own things for for everything. When in fact, like the things that didn't actually matter to what they were trying to do should have been something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that totally makes um, sense. I think as soon as you want to customize something, like when Keithley, when you were talking about uh, Groovy, and 
and adding stuff to Jenkins, as soon as you want to make something custom, you should definitely at least take a step back and, and think through like, do I really, should we be learning how to make plugins for Jenkins? Is that, is that something that's useful to us outside of just Jenkins? Like what, what benefits are you going to get as a team by becoming an expert in something new versus just rewriting that core part in, in something you already know. Part of this conversation is also what, what aspects of your process and workflow do you change to fit the tool and, or do you change the tool, tool to, to fit, fit your, your existing process. workflow mm-hmm. and process? Yeah. Well, it also depends on like the constraints of your current process. Like, like you said, Jeff, right? Like time is a big constraint too, right? Like depending on what you're working on and how much time you have to deliver a thing, like you may want to, and you may have a good understanding, but if for whatever reason there is a timeline that, that may not allow you to build your own, at least at that point. Right. And so that's like another constraint that is often present. Yeah. Um, another criteria I had was uh, you've clearly outgrown existing alternatives, right? Like you, you've used all of the things, right? They all, like there's a substantial mismatch in all of those. You now understand the problem very well. You understand why each of these alternatives doesn't work for you. And it's more work to like shape that thing to your will than to build the thing that fits your use case. I, I think there's another aspect too of like, are you are you writing your own thing to solve a personal or, or corporate problem, or are you also going to push this thing out into the world, right? Like those are, are other criteria. We'll say more about uh, that. About, about like, whether or not you're the pushing is, the thing into the world. Or yeah. Like, yourself. I think the bar is lower for, for needing to write your own thing for something that's solving a personal problem or, or even an internal corporate problem, right? Like if you're looking at releasing another, whatever, another JSON library, like, Maybe rethink it. Uh, like most people aren't like most people don't care, right? Like we already have whatever four or five. Like one of them is going to be fine for ninety percent of the use cases. Like we don't need another JSON library. But this one's in right. Rust. <laughs> Great. Is that what you're working on, Kevin? No, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> His is in Crystal. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm all about NIM these days. Um, but but I think like if if you're writing that JSON library to learn, please go ahead, right? But like that barrier of like doing it yourself versus pushing it out into the world, yeah, I, I think you know should be a gating factor, right? Like if you're learning, like and part of that is like what choices did somebody else make while they were making this that I don't even know about yet? That's an important thing, right? Like, you know, or 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 what like, what did they try and it didn't work? You know, so you can understand those trade-offs and grow as as an engineer, right? And as someone whose presumably job is to solve problems. Mm-hmm. Um, you can learn from from the battle scars of, of other folks. There's a lot of interesting wise on APIs that I've run into that people are frustrated with some API and they're like, I hate this thing. And then I frequently will say, well, go write your own. Oh yeah. You, you, like, I had a, a friend that did a lot of Ruby and he kept complaining about active record. I said, go write your own. Finally, one day he did it. And then he came back and was like, Oh, 
<laughs> I now know why they did this and this and this, and I get it. And he, he did have it open sourced for a while, his library. And then he finally one day was like, this is bad. I should not do this. <laughs> Don't use this. Yeah. Use active record yeah. instead. Yeah. And when you're saying yeah. use active record instead, you know, you've really messed up. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, really understanding the why of the decisions that people made can be really can be hard. difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. and then you won't go write your own because you didn't understand the why and that can hurt later too so that so how do you get that's a good that's a good point right how but it's sometimes it's hard to know the why right until you really get it and understand you have to like actually spend some time understanding what somebody mm-hmm. else has built right um and so maybe sometimes that's... until you really use the thing it's hard to it's not the why isn't immediately clear right and so so chris like why did you write your own raft implementation oh um dude i don't even know like looking back on it, <laughs> I'm like, what, what was I thinking? <laughs> Partially, I wanted to do it simply because I wanted to do it. Like I wanted to go through that process and and like learn about it and really understand the algorithm. Um, Partially, at some point, it just became. It started as fun. It's it definitely started as fun. <laughs> started as fun. Nice. It started out at. It, it, you know, it, <laughs> it, it, we started out friends. It was cool, but it was all pretend. Like it was not like once we got deep, once I got deeper into that, I think it almost became like an obsession just getting it to work. Like I refused to give up at some level, but I mean the, the actual reasons for wanting to do it were part, I mean, partially just to see if I could. And then partially it was like, if you could pull this off, which I don't really believe I did successfully, to be honest. Uh, but if you could pull it off, then you could solve these other XYZ problems or whatever. And then, and so like that was all, and those were actually problems that we were potentially going to like run up against at work to some degree. Cause that was like back in the Latote days. Not that we ever put this into production. I don't think anyone's ever put that implementation into production and probably shouldn't, but um but those, I mean, part of it, yeah, it was like, I just wanted to learn and I wanted, I wanted it to exist and I wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to see if I could more than anything. But that one's a little different because you weren't saying, hey, company, let's write our own raft implementation internally, right? You did that externally. And so that was for your own learning. So when's, when do you do that versus like what you, you're doing now at BR where you have a team of what you, you told me in our other conversation, three of you. Yeah. So you're taking mm-hmm. three people's time at work to write this thing that you definitely are putting into a project, not just, am I, I'm learning and might put it into the project. Right. Yeah. I think, I think there's a, what's the right way to say? It? I mean, in this scenario, like we actually, again, going back to this, we actually do need to do this, right? Like we have to deploy software somehow. It so happens that I actually think this the the point Jeff talked about earlier uh, was was a, a really big part of it, which was we have an established workflow uh, built up over however many years now um, that uh, in, when it comes to deploying software and like also verifying that software to to greater or lesser degree, you know, in terms of running stuff in staging environments and running stuff in QA and all this kind of stuff. So. We have a process for all those things. 
And codifying that process, like automating that process is actually, I mean, it's going to take work no matter what, because it's our process. So you either pick a thing that's like, so like you, you go with a tool that's like so generic, right? Like a Jenkins or a, or a, um, or a concourse or one of those sorts of things, one of those sort of pipeline-y, you know, build, build thingies. And you just build everything around it, which we definitely still do some of that, uh, or you go in and you just like solve the one problem you need to solve, right? Like I could go in and probably make code deploy on AWS do all these things. Um, but how much am I going to conform our process to that to make that actually even happen and to make it safe and to make it automatable and to provide all of the disparate features that we actually need to support, right? You're going to like probably do it all through Spinnaker if I just spend enough time learning how Spinnaker works. Do I... For those who don't know, what is Spinnaker for like our audience? Yeah, so Spinnaker is, I think it was built at Netflix. Yeah, yeah, it was built at Netflix originally. And it's a continuous delivery kind of deployment automation tool. It does a lot. Like that's sort of underselling the amount of things that it does. It's sort of the JIRA of deployment tools. <laughs> they have the same great interface. <laughs> Actually, the interface is way better. But... It is, it's big. It's a big, it's a big boy. And you have to learn a lot of concepts and it wants to control, like you need to kind of give over a lot of your infrastructure to it. You need to be ready to use it in the way they want you to use it, right? So, uh, that's not organizational change that like y'all are ready for. Well, it's not organizational change that I can even write a check for. Sure. To some degree too, right? You know, it's like, I, that's like, that's a big check that needs, that somebody needs to write and you got to really sell it. And also you've got to like really want to do that. Like you need someone who's going to actually advocate for it to do anything that's that big. And that's just beyond like single engineer level yeah, right? or need, even yeah, team. Yeah, 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 exactly. You have to have like some zealots, right? For any of these big changes. You know, it's like, why do you rewrite from one language into the other? It's like, because you have a really impassioned group of people who all want to do it, and then they just won't shut up about it until they do it. And that, you know, that was just not a thing that we we were really going to do. We did present it. We presented it as like an, an option. We was like, we could do this, uh, knowing sort of the outcome would be, no, we're not going to dedicate that. That would like that many resources to this thing. And at the end so of the day, you have to run it, right? You still, like if you if yeah. you've got a Jenkins, like the Jenkins has to stay up. You got to right. run. There's that no Jenkins. free lunch, right? Like you're either either like operating your thing or somebody else's thing, right? Yes, exactly. Or, so, or you're paying uh, them to operate it. <laughs> correct. Correct. So for the thing that you're writing, where do you where do you ba- like draw the lines and the bounds of this is what it is and like this is what it definitely is not. Right. Because I've seen often, you know, homegrown things to to fit very specific workflows and problems, then grow and grow right over over time into things that they were never originally intended to do and probably should not do. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's honestly one that I my show now don't have. (laughs) This is this is this is this is is great. Yes. Uh, you're the I only one have... that actually knew what we were talking about today, so I'm glad that somebody's prepared. <laughs> you're the only one who's prepared. <laughs> I'm just saying, glad somebody thought about it. It's great. No, it's that's a great question, and it's not one that I feel super. I don't have a good answer for it. I mean, this is the thing I struggle what? with. 
I just, I just don't, I don't have a good answer for that because it's, I struggle with this a lot when it comes to doing architectural stuff at BR and the idea of, because I, I think the idea of building a system in layers, right? When you talk about architecture, a lot of what architecture is, is ripping things apart into their disparate sort of layers and then and distilling down a lot of fundamental concepts into like a reusable abstraction. And I think that applies to APIs and to systems uh, in as much as that you can do that also with the whole Conway's Law thing. Like that's also where it gets really tricky. Um, but most people, or rather, I won't say most people, in my experience, most of the services that people end up building in their jobs are highly concrete. Like they're concrete implementation things, right? They're not really generic things. And there's always a trade-off between sort of leverage uh, and performance and reusability and all that sort of stuff. And when do you make a thing more general and more custom, which, which inherently sort of makes it like more customizable, right? Like it can do more, but now it's less good at the one thing it was intended to do in the first place, right? Well, and you, you also bring in all of the problems around like doing the customization, right? Mm-hmm. Like are those runtime customizations, are they config file? Like, yeah. are they parameters that are sent in like that in itself is its own its own problem and how do you tune it how do you make it fast right like that's that's really you know one of the major things that you can do for performance is to make is to provide tons of limitations limitations are basically where you get all your performance gains and in a, in a real big sense yeah. right because you just limit what's more possible. around like what it's not doing yeah exactly right? You just limit the scope of things that it's even possible to do. And then you get all these benefits because you just don't have to worry about those edge cases anymore. And that makes, you know, so then that all that goes out the window. So you start trying to figure out where, you know, you draw those lines. Because at some point it's like, you've got a service that needed to store stuff. And if you make that incredibly generic, well, all you've done is build a distributed key value store. (laughs) Like, you know, it doesn't do anything useful on its own. Um, so I think I think the question of where do you draw the line around this stuff it, it does tend to be really hard at least for me because it's it's it, there's always a push and pull there and I think for us with this specific thing we basically said we're going to be we're going to like provide you updates on what deployments are happening we'll provide you status of those things in these clusters and we'll talk to AWS and deploy your containers for you and that's like basically what we said was the scope of the problem. But already there's, you know, well, can we do this? Can we like add this to the pipeline? Can we like add this part of the thing? You know, and And how do you navigate that? Let's just say no. <laughs> I don't even navigate it. I just like put a stop sign out. I'm like, nah. <laughs> Slow down, children are playing here. Is basically this basically how I go out there. You you'd be a really good product that. owner. That's that's the key. You always start with no. <laughs> and then make them prove to you why they need it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and 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 then it, it goes back to that of we well, like actually some of these use cases we probably could solve, but maybe we can solve them in in a generic way so that we're not solving this problem again. One of the things that we're trying to figure out where where it goes, right, is migrations. So database migrations. So where do we put that? We want to automate database migrations. 
where do we put that in the pipeline? Does it happen in dirt? You know, do we consider that build, deploy? Like what, like where does it work and who manages it? Like what process is going to manage it and what's going to automate it, right? Those are all questions we're asking like literally right now. And do you have any metadata around those migrations? Like things that, that you know are going to take a long time, right? Like building an index or something like that, right? And and you might need to necessarily like do those things out of band. Right, yeah, yeah. And we And right now we don't have good ways of specifying that stuff, right? So, you know, right now it's like, there's a dude who, 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 who like manages this, some of that stuff. We're trying to be like, maybe we shouldn't have just like a dude to manage all that stuff. So those are all things that we are, yeah, like trying to figure out. And then and, and, it, and it becomes really tricky of where do you start to put those things? And that, I think that comes back to the architecture idea and doing like trying to kind of do less. And I think that the benefit of doing less, too, is it means that if you want to use this stuff, you just kind of have to make like one or two choices and you have to opt in. And then once you've opted in, then you're just using it like there's no more work you need to do. Change your process to fit the tool that was built to yeah. not change the process. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. I mean, that's the thing is like <laughs> to like to do to automate migrations would be like maybe we just have no, like right. maybe right. we just have like literally we look in the container for a bin slash migrate shell yeah. script and then you run whatever right. you want to run so if you're talking to a mango you can you can update your mango and if you're yeah. talking to a Sh- Postgres, shell scripts are like spreadsheets right like the world runs on them yeah exactly yeah i mean like have you ever looked inside of kubernetes it's basically just sh- like shell scripts <laughs> yeah and and, a, and some go glue code that's not even a lie. That's not hyperbole. There's no. literally uh, there's yeah. there's a seventh layer of hell in Kubernetes that is just shell scripts. <laughs> the seventh layer of shell. <laughs> nice. This is why we bring you on. <laughs> How many layers of the, hell were the, there? Are there nine or seven? I think it's like a dip. Right, I think it's seven, but you can add your own. <laughs> you, can add, you can add your own layers now. The, 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 the top, the top layer, the guacamole layer, is for uh, idolaters and people who talk at the theater. No, down there at the, the bottom, down yeah, there at the, the bottom. bottom with the beans is is Judas. Uh. <laughs> Oh Here, let's talk about let's okay. Let's talk about something important. What are the layers? <laughs> what are, what are your layers in a seven layer dip? What's at the bottom? What's the bottommost layer? Is it beans or is it meat? Ooh, ooh. I think those are. I think, I think it's a refried bean, right? Because it's like beans. you're gonna use you're gonna use that as like a substantial yeah. substance. It's not gonna fall apart. Yeah, exactly. Right? You need, like a fa- you you need to build you, your yeah. house upon a solid foundation. <laughs> Yeah, I'm more concerned about the chip really break, breaking here. whenever I'm trying to pick stuff up. So I once heard Alton Brown say that if you're a professional, you always stack two chips together. Because oh, if man. you want oh. if you want to dip a turducken, your chip should not break. <laughs> so I always never question anything chips. Alton Brown says. So that sounds right to me. The two chip is a pro move. It that's a, that's pro a move. good move. <laughs> Uh, you know, you when you get that, especially with the community dip and your chip breaks in there and somebody else is waiting to put their chip in, then you're like, just a second, I got to get my chip out. And 
Yeah. Then you look like you're trying to hoard the dip, especially mm. in a wedding. Or stick your hand in it. Yeah, yeah that's what I do at a wedding. It's a full paw in there. Sounds like a Midwest wedding. <laughs> Somebody doesn't have their hands in the dip. It was not I definitely, a wedding. I definitely went to a Midwest wedding where the food afterwards was like put like mashed potatoes. And you just like added stuff to the mashed potatoes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm here for it. Baked I'm just going to throw that out there. My sister-in-law had a grilled cheese bar at her wedding. Yeah. Like See, a bunch listen. of stuff. You made your own grilled cheese with whatever you wanted on it. I'm here for cheese. Well, well, you got to put like. I mean, were there like varieties of cheese? Like, yeah. oh, this is a yeah, gruyere. Like, okay. There was some meat, so you could like. You could put some, some brie on, on it. Yeah. What meat? It, it's not. It's like it's like a grilled ham and cheese. You then. put meat on it, like that's a croque monsieur. Like yeah, that's no go. longer a grilled cheese. <laughs> Fair. But you can't. You gotta. You gotta please those people who won't eat vegetables with or anything right. without meat. The Midwest. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I just I just have this idea in my head of like like a very fancy like French chef just be like, oh, oh yes the uh the mashed potatoes are brilliant tonight. Mata I recommend just a little bit of bacon on the top. <laughs> They've got a hint of garlic. Just a hint. You guys need to work on the accent. Yeah, my French accent is, is bad. It's really bad. It's a it sounds like a Cartoon French accent. That oh, okay. Shoot, you guys, I I, I have a meeting. I got to jump. I got glad I got to chat with you all. Sienna, it was great to see you. Bye. Plug your audio. Bye. I will. I'll try not to forget this time. I'm the worst. Bye. 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 Oh. Um, that's a good point. I'm gonna have to remember to stop to record my. Otherwise, like you'll get my later one-on-ones. Also, <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like so, Alan. What are what are your goals for the next six months? <laughs> I'm not really good at meeting deadlines. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now now that Anna's gone, we can get down to the like the business of playing GeoGuessr. Right? Oh right, yeah, exactly. Are you familiar with GeoGuessr, Amos? Uh, I've heard you guys say that you're playing GeoGuessr, but I have no idea. I have. I I ha- I think from Did my understanding, miss- I missed the GeoGuessr thing. So, from my understanding, GeoGuessr was it's like it shows you some place on like Google Maps or something, satellite image zoomed in, and you're trying to figure out what it is. is it shows right? you it. So the the idea is it drops you somewhere in the world in Street View, and you can all you can't leave Street View, obviously. It's like a virtual abduction. Basically, yes. It's a so you vir- you get virtually abducted and drop somewhere in the world. And your goal is within well, you can play however you want. We play within a certain time limit, typically 4 minutes. You need to determine where you are in the world and the closer you get to where you think you are in the world, the more points you get. Hmm. It's awesome. I don't think that it would be entertaining <laughs> on a podcast. No, no, we're not. I mean, <laughs> oh, that's, that's <laughs> the after show that the Patreons pay for to get oh, okay, access okay. to right. the, cu- the cut right. content. You can right. watch yeah, us the bloops. play GeoGuessr. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get to listen to the bloops and watch us play GeoGuessr. Uh, the the man GeoGuessr is a game I have introduced to literally all of my coworkers for the past. I'm gonna say at least a half a decade. <laughs> like it's so good. 
waiting for one of the times that it drops you in front of your house. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it, I've never been dropped directly in front of my house, but I have been dropped very close to my old house in Florida. In the Keys? Yeah. No, like, <laughs> no, no, no. I There was one where I was like, this looks weirdly familiar, but I like couldn't place it. And I eventually, right. I didn't, I didn't actually do too well on it, but it was, it's the key that was one key over from where our like little trailer was on in, in the keys. Wow. Yeah. It's a great game is what I'm getting at. It's a really solid game. We should, you should play it. I think I'd be really terrible at it, but I'll try. We'll try it later and we'll determine how terrible you are. Okay. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't let, don't let Chris Burma you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's a that's a thing that happened. Yeah, sometimes I I talk out loud while I'm playing, and I like tend to gaslight slash like like, like fake out <laughs> fake out my opponents accidentally. Like I get in their own head. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's uh, Sao Paulo. Oh crap! Did I say that out loud? <laughs> no, I, I mean I'm just talking typically, and then I was like, I don't think this is Burma. And then, our, <laughs> and then Jeff is like, oh, well, if Chris doesn't think it's Burma, it's probably not. Turns out it's Burma. It's it. <laughs> so, Jeff, what's yeah. what's going on these yeah. days? You just gave a talk on TLA Plus, a great talk. I did. It was a talk. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Okay. I I, I enjoyed uh, being able to pre-record it. Like, that was nice for me. Because I could have my script out ahead of time. And then... If we had to evacuate because of the wildfires, like the talk could keep going. Um, <laughs> it's always good to have a backup plan. Right. That's right. That's right. I'm be, sure the be code beam organizers will appreciate the 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 level of care that you put into that. <laughs> like that 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 making sure your talk went off without a hitch was on the top of your bug out plan. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean so yeah, it's it's nice now. Most of the, most of the smoke is has blown it's out. It's all here. A, uh, <laughs> great. Just put some meat out. You'll be fine. Uh, Nailed it. Speaking of being Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it, the talk. The talk was was good. Um, that was. I had heard about TLA Plus from an earlier job working on autonomous cars, which. Um, you know, we were trying to formally prove some things so that like fewer people died. Um, Seems important. <laughs> you would think so, but like we kill a lot of people with cars uh, yeah. in this country and worldwide. So, yeah, we're we'll probably continue to. Uh, you know, uh, that's that's not my problem to solve anymore. But yeah, and and a couple other formal verification things, and it's like, well, I haven't actually done these. Like, it would be good to to like actually dig in and. For things that are important in the world, like have them formally verified. What does that mean? You know, like I, yes, I I did some like propositional logic in in college, but like I haven't done any formal proofs of any software I've written ever. Right. Mm-hmm. So, what what does that entail? And uh, the I I read I read practical TLA plus. Uh, Link in the show notes from from Hello Wayne, uh, and it was it was good. Um, I had I had problems with it personally because I say problems, but like I had difficulties internalizing it. Right, it's not not problems with the text necessarily. Mm-hmm. Oh sure, sure, sure. Right, because like I didn't have 
I didn't have a lot of maybe like the deep distributed systems knowledge for when it, like when you have multiple like processes interacting and doing it in, in effectively like a procedural way, how those things might might work together. Um, because he presents a, a subset of TLA plus that's plus called plus calc. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is like and, the, syn- that's the syntax that is readable as opposed to the standard syntax, which is some hot garbage. <laughs> if I remember correctly. That's, so yeah, you know, uh, plus calc is, is the Ruby to TLA plus is Erlang. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. That sounds right. So right. it's, it's, it is idiosyncratic, let's say. Yes. Yeah. And, and at first glance, like inscrutable and hard to get right because you've forgotten your comma, right? Or you've forgotten your, your and, uh, your logical and or, or, or whatever. Typing uh, ands as slash backslash is, that breaks my brain every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you're not familiar, uh, if you're not familiar with math, with like, like logic, uh, the symbol for and is an upward arrow, like an upward V, basically. And the symbol for or is a downward V. And I don't, does the, does plus calc model it that same way? Or is it just the, I don't, I don't remember. I don't think so. The actual TLA plus syntax, which I don't remember the specific name of is it actually uses a slash and then a backslash to model like ands and, and, and stuff like that. And, and yeah. And then reversed for ors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, logical ands and logical yes, ors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but but like once I I watched uh, Leslie Lamport's video series about it, which you know like that that alone took weeks because it's like you watch one and it's like it's forty five minutes or an hour of like deep material. Um, you can't you can't. It's not like you can have it on in the background while you're cooking or like. You know, during during an all hands or something, yeah. um, <laughs> a hall in a, a town hall hands, as I've started right, referring right. to them. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I can't I can't wait till we can have those things in person again. Oh, I know right. that's like, gonna be better. I yeah. I would I really am can't can't wait to dunk two hours of my life in like some sort of boardroom <laughs> situation. I want to yeah. spend the first two hours just shaking everybody's hands, being like, I know we haven't been able to shake hands in like a year <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so the the video series really good but not not light material and what i realized during that is like they're all just state machines mm-hmm. right and if they had started with that which i know they like i know the reasons why they probably got to the decision of like not starting with that right is because state machines are not as prevalent through through many other aspects of of software mm-hmm. but that helped me a lot it's like oh all of this nonsense is just a state machine and all of the like functions in tla plus in in the like official syntax are just about what state you go to next and what those conditions are mm-hmm. um, and then like rules about having multiple mm-hmm. state machines i don't even know that i could actually adequately describe this but is it like you define a state machine and then say now there are three of them interacting. Or do you say like there is a state machine that encompasses the actions that these things could take? There's, there's a state machine that encompasses 
It depends, right? So it depends on your specification, right? And the invariance and, and temporal properties that you want to specify. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. okay. And, and so, so you may break that problem down, right, into those three things, right, and then have a separate, a separate model that encompasses all three, and you have separate specification for how those things interact. Um, gotcha. Okay. All right. I think I. But like, I am by no means an expert. There is a TLA Plus conference coming up. I don't. I think it's pretty cheap. If not, don't don't quote me on the free. Um, but it is at conf.tla. We'll show in the link in the show notes. Yeah, we'll, we'll find the link notes. to it. And you heard it here <laughs> yeah. first. Jeff Weiss said it's free. Yep. He said <laughs> it's free. <laughs> You're welcome, Jeff. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I like how, I like how that uh, was logically negated. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of logic. Don't quote me. You heard it here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, like all conferences now, it's it's virtual. So, uh, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Um, but yeah, so I gave I gave that talk. Uh, oh, it is not it is not free. It is not free. Um, it's part of the International Symposium on Distributed Computing. So that sounds impressive. Yeah, that sounds I, important. I thought you, I thought you meant that your talk wasn't free. Oh, my talk. Well, I mean, it, it will it's, be. It's probably up on it's probably up on YouTube eventually and, and will be free. But from the broader sense, but it wasn't free for me. And like that, it made it caused some gray hairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's like magic. Everything has a cost. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wrestling. What is... <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So cool. Amos, what what fountain pen? Bringing it back around. What fountain pen did you bring or buy? Oh, uh, the and the pilot, working, with? the disposable the ones. Fart City. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just to uh, just to try it try it out for a while. Yeah, um, they're pretty good. They they flow, they're, they flow pretty well. They're adequate. They they yeah. Sometimes get a little scratchy, uh, and they yeah. don't quite fit my hand very well. So. Are in that they're too short or they're too thin? Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like I I roll them a little bit, so uh, because they're thin. Oh, like like rotate? Yeah, because they're thin, I end up oh, rolling yeah. it, and I feel like if it was a little yeah. wider, I might not do that. Some of them, like the um, the Lamy Safaris and a couple others, they have ergonomic ergonomic grips that are like triangular. So that your fingers don't don't that roll right, would, and when you when you hold them, it's always in the correct the correct that position. That would help a lot. But they are they are not disposable, and they uh, uh, they're they're far cheaper in Germany, where where I started this obsession <laughs> than than in the U.S. I thought disposable uh, would be a, a good place to start. No, no, it's a yeah, right. Like it's it's a. Um, if you don't know if it's a thing that like you're you don't mind having ink on your hands, then then it's fine. Also, things that have the ergonomic grip that are disposable, you can get the Jinhao Makos, which are these cute little uh, pens where the cap is shaped like a shark. Okay. Uh, and they're they're 100% plastic, but they do have that 
that triangular grip that'll hold it in the right place. Uh, also, they are refillable, so they come with a little converter. You can put your own ink colors in there. Like, oh, so if cool. you want to use a fancy like shaded ink or something that's got shimmer in it, um, you can you can do that. And then I also feel like I wish the varsity was a little bit longer. I know that I can't really write without the cap on. Oh yeah, yeah. But so if it was just a little bit longer, because it just barely just fits a little bit in my yeah. hand, and I don't even have big hands, yeah. so. I can't imagine if somebody had big hands trying to use this. Right. Keith is like, this is exciting. (laughs) I'm just going to peace out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, I like the, the writing. I like, like sitting down. I find it very meditative Mm -hmm. and, and it like, it forces me to be, to be present. Um, And when I was away uh, overseas, for a year, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was homesick, right? But I certainly missed interaction with folks uh, and and authentic interaction, right? Like it's difficult over Zoom uh, mm-hmm. or FaceTime or whatever. And so, um, just bringing it back to the the vintage social media. I haven't so. I haven't written letters in years, like including Christmas cards. You know, I my wife does that. When we do it, we forget half the time. It'll be like, it'll be like January third, <laughs> March. Like, Crap, yeah. We should have sent out we. All these people send us Christmas cards. We didn't send anything. So I don't write a lot of letters, but I really have liked getting letters and actually writing them. It's a whole lot better than an email. And I know that. Like, I write notes to people that I work with a lot um, when I want to show them my real appreciation instead of, like, an email that just to say thanks. Yeah. Like, the the bigger overall big picture appreciation, I try to handwrite. Um so, so I've really enjoyed writing letters back and forth. And the fact that you can read my handwriting is kind of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think it's nice too, that like it has an element of like intimacy and vulnerability that, that we don't have like in our culture anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Either, either like as Americans or, or even within software. Right. And like, um, yeah, I feel like if we're in it's, it's hard. Slack or, anything like that or an email I can I can say whatever and and hide behind the slack but if I'm handwriting it like I'm not gonna say that stuff <laughs> this is way too personal <laughs> but yeah I've been fortunate enough to receive some of these postcards from Jeff and they're always like oh yeah very not to not to not to get too like real here but they're always very life-giving to me like they provide a, and i'm always a terrible friend and i don't respond <laughs> like, they're, they're 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 like erlang messages right yeah you you, they, you may not get one way act. you don't know yeah. if they're gonna arrive <laughs> yeah, right come back they're they're all casts yeah yeah no but they are they truly are like they're very life life-giving in a way that um i don't i don't have those kinds of interactions with people um in a lot of i mean just generally like you can have some of that stuff just like hanging out with friends but but there is i mean this is a very different experience sort of yeah yeah i i i have uh, a couple coworkers who are who are good friends that that we write back and forth uh, a lot and it's nice to have like a thing that shows you someone gave you that time Mm-hmm. Right, where they were thinking of nothing but you 
like during the time they were they were writing, whether it was a postcard or like it doesn't it doesn't take much, but it's like hey, you know, like I was top of somebody's mind for like at least a couple minutes, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's a nice that's a nice feeling. And I you know, hey kids, sit I'm trying to, like, shut up! I'm writing whatever. a letter to Jeff. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think about him with your noise. Well, and I and I conscri- I conscripted you too, Amos, during uh, during the lockdown, right? So yeah. I'd put a thing out on on Twitter that's like, "Hey, I'll I'll write some some lockdown letters." And one of the community members in Brazil was like, "Hey, uh, sure, send me one." And I looked up, and since I was in Germany at the time, there was no mail route between Germany and Brazil, and so I was like, "I can't I can't send it." So I wrote it and then like sealed it up and then like sent it to Amos. It's like, hey, can you please post this? Because there was mail delivery between the U.S. and Brazil. Yeah, it just like shows up at my house. I get this really nice <laughs> letter with an extra job. It's, it's like, <laughs> Thanks, thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I and I did think about like if this is a cast, maybe I just never get to it. It's not my cue. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sorry, load shedding. <laughs> No, but I sent it on. It was it it uh, it was pretty neat. Actually, I felt really honored that you sent it to me to have me send it on. Little did I know you sent five copies to other people just in case I was worthless. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, redundancy. Right. That's right. That's redundancy. Right. These metaphors go deep. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was a it was a pub sub, right? Like you just got one of the. Well, I think uh, the back of the letter actually had like a. Amos Pid bang thing going on. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So writing letters is good. Yeah. yeah Maybe that's letters. what we should do with be, our Patreon. Be, be, be also be awesome to people. Just generally, you know, like yeah. look out for each other. Okay. It's uh. Really there's a, there's enough going on in the world. It's a bad time right, out there that, for right now. Yeah. Just what we'll say about that. Just yeah. You I know, mean, take care of each other. Jeff is like, I don't want to leave my house because of COVID, but I'm going to record this early in case there's a fire and I have to leave my house anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's listen, people got people got problems. So just, you know, take care of each other. Stay, stay frosty. Stay, stay, you know, like look out, keep, keep a lookout for people. Uh, like okay. We really we're running long. Up should, with anything. should we, ra- yeah. we, should we, ra- we should wrap yeah, this up. This is super long. We should wrap yeah. this up. Let's put a bow on this. Well, I great. Thanks, Jeff, for coming. Uh, oh, it was my if pleasure. Want to come back? Um, I'm not sure you're invited. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, that's it is it whoa. is your show. I was told. This, <laughs> I was told this morning that it's my show. <laughs> I mean, it is your show, I guess. So maybe, man, maybe Jeff, you can come back. Keithley will let you know. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I'll listen. You, do you think this is your, this is you think you're the only game in town? There, there's a dozen <laughs> podcasts who would love to have me. Okay. Don't you know who I Don't am? Don't you know who I am? <laughs> do you know I'm the who other I am? Chris? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, truthfully, thanks for coming and talking to us. It was a pleasure having you, and we'd love to have you back again. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, and thanks to Seth for putting the idea in your all's head. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As soon as he said it, I was like, "Yeah, why haven't we had? Jeff why haven't we done? That's a great yeah, idea." That's... <laughs> Seth, Seth, you're brilliant. Thank you for pointing out our inadequacies. We appreciate it. <laughs> Continue to do so, please. <laughs> yes, please, and everybody else. And 
<laughs> We've already mentioned it enough times, so I won't mention our Patreon. Patreon, we have a Patreon. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a shill. <laughs> Oh all my right. gosh. All right, let's get us out of here. All James, right, thank wrap, you all. Hey, all right. have a good day. Nice talking to you. Bye. All right, thanks. See y'all. <laughs>